Hey, y'all. This week on the podcast, we are joined by Kevin Smith, a passionate outdoorsman and just also happens to play Major League Baseball as a catcher for the Angels. I always love to have people on here that come from different walks of life to tell their story, how they got where they are now, and what keeps them motivated. Kevin is a great guy that truly loves to hunt, and any person like that always makes for a good conversation. Lastly, I really hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, do us a big favor. Head on over to our page on iTunes, give us a rating, and write us a review. Sit back and enjoy the show. All like official in a room. I'm sitting in a bed here in a hotel. Oh man, it's all good. You know, I, uh, I, I tell you how official I am. I'm on uh, a backyard porch, and then this is a glass sliding door right here. Okay. And I, I originally had my my lab knocks inside mm-hmm. and i had this thing like tilted down where you can see there and he was just kind of sitting there staring at me like <laughs> so now he's now he's right here like directly below me i picked him up but he also just jumped in the pond so he's wet so he can stay oh, down yeah. there yeah i just saw him uh uh tackle what was that a, a turkey decoy or something that was yeah. pretty warm right there <laughs> yeah awesome. Cool, man. Uh, we can get going with this this podcast episode. So uh, I, I can uh, formally introduce you. This is Kevin Smith, uh, most famously known for a peacock bass aquarium that he had at one point. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That becomes the first thing we talk about. <laughs> I wasn't lying, but look, I got to set this up. So me and Kevin, we're, we're talking back and forth about doing this podcast episode. And then he says he's watching a show about aquariums, and then he's, he just throws it. He's like, yeah, I used to have a peacock bass tank. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing, uh, that was quite an experience. It became an obsession. I, I grew up fishing the Clarion River um, out of my kayaks, and I got the great idea to get like a 50, 60-gallon tank and try to start keeping fish. And then... Um, before I left, when I got drafted by the White Sox, I decided to get some peacock bass for my last year in college. And uh, not knowing what those things can grow into, um, <laughs> I only had a, a hundred gallon tank at the time. But I put the responsibility on my dad to take care of them for a few months. And when I came back, they were monsters. So then that tank turned into a 250 gallon tank. And then those <laughs> bass turned into. 24 inches and um it got a little excessive uh obsessive i mean just so time consuming but i mean an awesome experience and then i realized since i was gone for about eight months out of the year i i just couldn't put that responsibility on my dad so sold the tank uh bought my wife now her engagement ring and uh just waiting for the day until i can get back into the hobby so (laughs) <laughs> what a win-win yeah i wasn't like when you brought that up i was like all right i gotta hear the story on that because not everyone has a peacock bass oh, aquarium and my wife would kill me if i didn't tell this story because she tells everybody it but uh that picture i sent you so I, I had two peacock bass and i had a alligator gar and he grew probably to about 28 inches yeah and the the hard part was trying to feed him with how aggressive the bass were so um I would kind of hand feed him little pieces of shrimp. Well, the bass got mad at me one day because I wasn't feeding them. And they actually went after the guard and the guard decided to do a, just a rocket launch through the top of the tank and just like 
smashed his face off the top. I mean, I've had this fish for three years now. So you can imagine, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was emotional, but it was, it was tough to see him struggle. Like he, yeah. he obviously, you know, did something to a swim bladder or severed something in his spinal column, but I put him in this ICU. I called it the gar ICU. It was like, uh, it was like a Tupperware, uh, filled with about three or four inches of water. So he didn't have to worry about, you know, leveling off or anything. And I put him in this little like crate with support system and area like uh like air bubblers and things like that and i probably had that for three or four days to see if he could recover but yeah. he ended up not making it i had to i had to euthanize him so uh, uh, but it was a bummer and you know obviously the ups and downs of a fish tank but i always had live cameras on my tanks and everybody thought i was a weirdo until this year I get uh, moved over to the Angels, and I'm getting to know the guys and one of my teammates, Justin Bohr. We start talking about fish, and he goes, dude, check this out. And I go over, and he has a live uh, camera on his fish tank back home. And I'm like, I knew it. I'm not the only weird guy doing this kind of stuff. So, so that was pretty cool. Um, you know, probably like that that scene out of Step Brothers. Like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> did we just become best friends? Seriously. <laughs> 100%, but I was more freshwater, he's saltwater, so so uh, um, opposites attract, so we kind of collaborate on what we want to do for the future. Oh, that's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah so we can, uh, like I said, I had to at least mention that, because I, I was like, that's the most interesting thing I've definitely heard all day. Oh. So, uh, but you kind of, uh, with some of the stuff you said, you kind of alluded to what you do, but let's kind of get a, a like a quick like background on you and, sure. and where you're at now. Yeah, so... Um, my ride has been kind of crazy. I, I grew up obviously loving the outdoors and um, played baseball, played football, and uh, just kind of went out and had fun with it, uh, did my thing, and ended up going to college on a football scholarship. Um, played football for a couple years at Pitt, but always knew I had, I had baseball in my back pocket and ended up switching over to baseball my last couple years. Um, got drafted by the White Sox. And then got drafted in 11. Uh, so this will be my ninth year in professional baseball. And uh, this past off season got uh, picked up by the Angels. So I've been out here in California playing uh, this past season. It's been awesome. So it's been a heck of a ride. I, I try to hang on, uh, hang on this roller coaster as long as I can. But, um, you know, uh, we'll see where it takes me and see what else I have in my future. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, this is something I gotta ask. I got we had a uh, I had a uh, Corey Cunningham who plays for the the Arizona Cardinals, and I oh, kind of asked him a, a similar question. So, like, I gotta think, or not think. I know there's like I don't know how many kids there would be that like you know play sports growing up, and they just have these aspirations of playing for the big leagues one day. Like, like what did it what did it feel like? Like you're sitting, you know, you just. You know, just like a regular guy, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're playing for. I mean, you're playing for the big leagues, literally. Like, right. what was that like? It was pretty amazing. I remember I was in, uh, I was in Toledo, Ohio, in AAA when I got the call to go up, and I mean, making that call to my dad, and my parents, and my wife, and just, uh, just a bunch of family members was pretty pretty emotional um because you know the ride through the minor leagues is not easy it's tough you're making pennies 
just just trying to survive um, with you know that carrot being dangled in front of your face of playing in the big league. So, um, but when the day finally happens and all the work uh, gets paid off, um, it it's amazing. It's it's honestly hard to put in words, but I tell everybody, you know, it's hard to get to the big leagues, but it's even harder to stick in the big leagues. You yeah. Know? Um, like it's just a constant, like, all right, I just want to get a hit in the big leagues. I just want to hit a homer in the big leagues. I just want to catch a winner. I just want to, but then it just keeps going. It's like, I just want to do this now. I just, I just want to make this. I want to do that. And it's, it's just finding that, that level of being content with where you are, but still working hard and, you know, just trusting God's plan for you and understanding what the process is and, um, just kind of keeping things in perspective. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. I like you've got to have. I mean, like I, I think, I think during the fall, I'll be like, I feel like, man, I have a pretty, you know, hectic schedule, you know, with the, the <laughs> filming, the video and stuff that we do. But then I talk to a guy like you, I'm like, that guy has a crazy schedule. Oh, like yeah, you, you have to go a lot. Yeah, it's yeah, tough. It's tough. Um, if you're kind of used to it at this point, uh, at this point, but it wears you down. I mean, we. We head out for spring training, uh, usually the end of January, beginning of February. So you have spring training for over two months. Um, and then that's not even the season. So then the season starts end of March, early April. And we play six months every day with maybe three or four days off a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you make playoffs into October, you know, you might not get done till the end of October. So. It's a it's a long season. It's a lot of games, um, and it's definitely um, mentally and physically exhausting. But you know, it's a heck of a ride. It's something I'll obviously never regret. Um, been a been a crazy experience thus far. But um, you learn to adapt. You learn to figure it out, and you know how to have a how to have a family, and just. Um, apply to the special situation that you've been put into so right yeah yeah good for you man so how did you like get started in hunting that's something you started with at an early age mm-hmm. yeah um uh, it was funny i was listening to a couple of your podcasts here um just listening to like steven ranella and mr shockey talk about like it's just in our blood it's in it's in our dna and i think i for sure fell into that category um I can't remember specific time, but like, I remember being five years old, you know, waiting for my dad to come home from deer camp to see if there was a little, a little shanker buck sitting in the back of the bed, you know, packed with all the clothes and everything just to see if he got something. I remember, I remember not being able to sleep as a kid, even though I couldn't even hunt until I was 12. I remember like, just, it was almost in a, an obsessed, you know, mindset. I mean, my uncle lives um up in the allegheny national forest way up in like north central pennsylvania so i always loved going up there getting into the outdoors and i mean i remember not being able to sleep the night before opening day of pennsylvania rifle season so yeah um it was just something that stuck with me my whole life and um just something i i truly have a passion about and um for sure near and dear to my heart yeah absolutely man look like you you hear someone say talk about hunting the way you just did right anyone that is like, like kind of like we were relating to with here in Rodella and, and Shockey talk about it who I've had on here before right yeah uh, someone that that appreciates hunting they hear you talk about that and they automatically know what, the, what you're talking about they're like yeah oh, no. I, I know the obsession you mean 
100%. And I mean, even um, <laughs> I was feeling for you guys whenever I think it was it was Joe Rogan who said he was like a one and done turkey hunter. And it just like broke my heart because I was yeah. like, man, he has no idea what what turkey. I mean, that was one of my favorite things to do. But obviously, when I started yeah. getting big into sports with baseball and football, um, my turkey hunting was limited big time. Like the last time I went spring turkey hunting was probably back in high school, like 15 yeah. years ago. And to hear, you know, somebody say that, it's like, man, you have no idea, but it's so hard, you know, whenever you've done something so passionately for your whole life to expect somebody to have that same feeling over one hunt um, is tough to get. So yeah. uh, that's the trick, you know, uh, getting, getting new people involved, trying to have them understand your passion and where it came from and, you know, sympathize with the fact that they haven't been doing it for 30 years. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it's always, it's interesting to me, you know, take a guy, I mean, which, you know, Joe's a, a say he's a pretty well-known individual being an understatement, but there's, you know, there, there's more and more people that, you know, are, are getting introduced to hunting at a later age. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, some of them, you, you kind of introduce them to it and they're like, yeah, that's cool. Whatever, you know, but then you have some, it's like they had it in them the whole time. They just didn't know it. You know, you, you show oh. it to them. They just are just overtaken with the whole thing. Exactly, man. Like my, my really good buddy, um, that I, I came up through the minors with, he unfortunately passed away a few years ago in a UTV accident, but he, he was that exact way. He, I always asked him, you know, was it in the family? How'd you get into this? And he was like, no, I was just all, for some reason, it was, it was always something that was interesting to me. You know, um, I think he had a friend maybe take him out and it just overtook his life. I mean, yeah. it was, it was pretty cool to see him when I hear Ronella and those guys, like I said earlier, talk about it. It's in our genes. It's in our DNA. It's, it, it it's, it's deep down in us that, that, you know, we want to go out and harvest animals and provide for our families and, you know, have that, um, have that, I don't know what you would call it, but, um, you know, that ingrained in us to yeah. go out and do it. And it's, yeah. and it's awesome. It's not about just killing things. It's about the experience, obviously. I mean, I know it's cliche and, and, and all, but that's what it's about and getting with good friends and family and just good people and having a good time about it. I mean, yeah, I, for sure. I, I, hunted, I, I hunted Pennsylvania for 20 years of my life and I've, shot three bucks so if it was only about you know killing an animal i probably wouldn't be doing it so yeah that so that just tells you right there you know it's uh there's a lot more to it yeah well then there's a couple different ways you could you could look at that you know like there's uh which again i've never told you this story but i've told this story on the podcast before um like uh for one like my my family they obviously they hunted Mm -hmm. But uh, no one really took it as far as I did, as far as, you know, like my, my dad was more of a... <laughs> uh, my, on that one. <laughs> my dad was, uh, it still is, he's a big fisherman. That's kind of where my where the name Lake came from was his obsession with bass fishing. And, uh, you know, but he, he deer hunted some. And, uh, but then what, it, turkey hunting is what, like, was the whole spiral down. Like, soon as, when I got oh. into turkey hunting, that was like snowball effect for every other type of hunting. I was like, all right, I got into everything. And, uh, yeah. And, and then with like on the offset, like my, my mom, my mom killed her first deer 
two years ago. Wow, it took her that long? Which she never, she like never to get into it, right? Yeah, like, well, actually, it was, go. it was when I when I started working at Primos. I mean, I always hunted. Right. Um, I started working at Primos, and then we started doing this podcast. And she started listening to the podcast because she, you know, she love, you know, she's supportive mother, and uh, right. yeah, she sure. listened. And she said she's like, I want to go hunting. And she said, you know, the way that she was raised uh, in her family, and 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 back then, she said just honestly how it was, like the just the the girls didn't go hunting she's like right, I, right. I, my dad always went and, and stuff like that but i never went and so we went and she shot a deer and you know like you, you it is it's you hear it a lot so it starts to sound cliche but that whole deal about providing meat that's a, that's a real thing man you know because oh, when uh yeah, when she when she killed that deer and then we got some meat back from it i remember she texted me a picture of her and dad were eating it at home and I, I was like, I was like, how does it feel, you know, to be eating something that you, you killed yourself, you know, that you provided yourself, that. it feels amazing. I mean, it really is. If you've never done it, you don't, you, you, you can't fully understand it, but I mean, it's, it's a different feeling for sure. 100%. And I mean, I can definitely relate with you there because I only have four months in the off season. So when I go out and, you know, get a couple deer, if I shoot an elk, I have all this meat on my hands and I'm obviously not home for eight months out of the year. So. When I get to dish it out to my, you know, my, my sister and her family and my parents, um, and even like my wife's, uh, grandma and stuff. And for them to shoot me a text or call and say, Hey, I use that ground meat. Hey, I use that, that roast or whatever. I mean, it, it's such a, um, such re- a rewarding feeling knowing that, yeah. you know, I'm able to provide and able to s- supply such, you know, high quality meat. Yeah, not having to go to the grocery store. I mean, um, that's just a really cool feeling. Obviously, very rewarding. So, mm, I, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. How uh, how did you get into bow hunting? How did you try? Did you start into doing that? So bow hunting, um, I was fortunate. One of my good buddies growing up, he was his family um, was right next to a big chunk of land. So um, we were both big time big time hunters, and he. He had a little PSE bow when we were like 12, 13 years old. And we just would always, you know, be shooting this thing in the backyard. We'd be climbing up tree stands, you know, doing the fake rattling thing, saying, here, here comes the big 10 point. You going to take them or not? You know, like the hunting shows, we were dying, you know, every Saturday morning. We couldn't wait to wake up and, you know, watch Paul Jordan and Waddell and Blanton and all those guys get on there and, uh, we just we just had a blast and i mean my mom would always get mad at me because he had guns over there right and she was like i don't want you guys getting into those guns so <laughs> we tried not to mess with them so we kind of took to a bow and um it just kind of took off i remember my dad bought me my first bse um when i was maybe 13 or 14 years old and i think it, it took me a couple years to kill my first deer i always made sure i had a good ethical you know clean shot and right. um it actually was on the ground. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was standing on the ground and this, this, uh, PA buck came walking through, grunted to him and he, he probably walked in within 20 feet of me and I was hooked immediately. I mean, it was awesome. So, but the problem with baseball is I don't get home until mid October to late October. Um, obviously don't get to experience the elk hunting out West in September. Um, and it's just tough. I, really don't have much time to scout. I don't know where the deer are. I'm hunting, you know, public land in Pennsylvania where 
big time pressure. And I just, I, I, I have, I struggle with shooting, you know, lower age class deer. I always look for mature deer regardless of the size of the antlers. And, um, that's something tough to do in Pennsylvania on top of spending time with your family, having, you know, um, holidays and, we just had our first son about a year ago, so um, obviously want to spend as much time with him. And I yeah. go out west. I go out west every year for a couple of weeks. So um, when I heard you talk about like the snowball effect with turkey hunting, my snowball effect was going out west to hunt. I played rookie ball in uh, Great Falls, Montana, and my yeah. whole family out there were huge hunters, and they invited it, uh, they invited me out the next year, and I've been going ever since. So um, that's just opened my eyes beyond. Yeah anything i could imagine hunting out there so oh, gosh, yeah. i for sure recommend going yeah. out west because if you're if you're used to eastern you know northeastern hunting and seeing a deer a day is something that you call success i mean going out there and seeing you know hundreds at a time or yeah. you know it's just it's it's a totally different way of hunting which um i i uh i became very um obsessed with it quickly so yeah i understand man i never until i started working for primos the only traveling i had done for hunting was i had some some really good friends that had some land in illinois oh, i'd yeah, gone up I, there with them. i'd gone up there with them like once or twice so the first time like i you know the my, how i got started at primos happened kind of abruptly and then next thing i know i'm going from being a college kid at you know, start for Mississippi State's campus to mm-hmm. filming Brad elk hunting in New Mexico. And I'm just, you know, I'm like, oh, oh, you know, what is all this? And Right. Like, what is this world? Like, yeah. what is this out here? Right. I mean, it was something you only saw on TV. And then, you know, I think in my mind for forever was unless I can somehow save up four or five, six thousand dollars, I'm I'm never going to be able to do this. And now that I've gone out there and see the amounts of public land, the access and what, you know, amazing things are, you know, hunting dollars have gone towards to preserve the land and, you know, make these animals available is, is just amazing. Yeah, for sure. I, man, I tell people that all the time, you know, I, I, one, I tell everyone, you know, if you're a bow hunter or if you're, if you're a hunter at all, like, like oh, you yeah. said, you owe it to yourself. I, just to, to, to go out west and see out there, just because it's such a different world. I tell you, know, I mean, that applies to everywhere, northeast, southeast, wherever. It's good right. to, if you can, travel around and see different parts of the country and, and hunt out there. But out west is so special in, in how it is. And it, even if, to what you're saying about public lands, there's still a good many people out there that just seem like they're intimidated to go try it. Oh, and I'm like, I'm like oh. look, you're not going to. I promise you, if you go out there, you're not going to regret that you did it. Oh, you know? 100%. And even my, my dad was the same, you know, 50 years hunting Pennsylvania and I got him out there and he still talks to this day about, you know, just the landscapes. And I mean, his, his favorite thing was like pheasant hunting. Like we, we went out there and I mean, we were kicking up roosters every, you know, 50 to a hundred yards. I mean, it was just eye opening to him. I mean, and, and it was just something that that's what he took from it. Um, aside from the landscape, aside from the animals that he saw, I mean, it was just an amazing experience for him. And I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to get him out there, but, um, I even like encourage people, you know, don't be scared to knock on doors. Don't be scared to go up to these ranchers and, 
just ask. I, I, I got to know a guy two years ago who owns a, a huge ranch um, in central Montana for elk. And when I got to talking with him, he's like, it's crazy to hear the people that don't want to come up and ask for permission. He said, I'll get so bored some days. I'll actually go down to the road, find a truck full of hunters and ask what they're doing. And they're like, oh, you know, we're just going to the back to the public land to hunt. And he and he'll say, what do you guys want to hunt some elk? Um, I got a spot right up the road. And they're like, yeah, sure. So he literally hops in the truck and he pulls up to his ranch and opens the big gate. And they're like, sir, are you sure we can do this? Are you sure this is legal? I mean, this looks pretty private. And he goes, yeah, don't worry about it. I know the guy. And he takes them up through his beautiful ranch and they go elk hunting. And do, I mean, there's so many people out there that are just, you know, they're, they love hunting just as much as you and, and don't be scared to go up and talk to them and just BS with them and just, you know, be, yeah. show your personality, show your love for the outdoors, show, show your love for the respect for the land. And you'd probably be shocked how many, how many landowners would let you on. Yeah. And you'll never, you'll never find that out if you don't go out there and try it, you know? Right. Yeah. The worst thing they're going to say is no, which should never discourage you. Just on to the next. <laughs> yeah. And even like, I, I mean, I have friends that went out there and tried their luck with elk or mule deer on public land and maybe not killed anything. But man, you hear them talk about that trip and you're like, did you, well, did you regret going out there? They're like, no, you know, I mean, you don't, even if you don't, I mean, obviously if you shoot an elk, that's. Yeah, that's what you want, but it's not like it's just like, a, oh, that was the worst. I'm never trying that again. Usually they're planning how quickly they can get back out there. 100%. And, I mean, every year, like, one of my biggest strategies is just find little little rinky-dink bar in town, you know, and sit down and have a couple beers, get a burger. And, I mean, it's crazy the, uh, the amount of ranchers that come in, and you hear them talking about, you know, the antelope they saw or the big buck they saw or – you know, whatever may be going around. And then you, you just got to be personable, you know, introduce yourself, you know, get to talking a little bit. And it's crazy the doors that'll open. Um, it's just, you know, don't go out there and be a hermit crab and don't talk to anybody. You know, every year, try to meet someone new. Try to try to meet someone at a sporting goods store. Talk to the archery shop or talk to those guys. I mean, they're going to be able to tell you good places to go, where you can at least start. Um, and you know, every year you go out there, it's just going to get better and better. So, yeah. The Primo surround view blind. I feel like in the world we live in now, the word game changer gets overused, but I feel absolutely confident in saying that this blind is an absolute game changer. It's changed the way that we hunt a hundred percent. And now at primos.com, you can get $50 off 360 and 270 surround views. You don't want to miss this deal. Head on over to primos.com now and check it out. Yeah, that's a, I, I mean, I, I really like that you brought that up because that's not something that gets talked out about. That gets talked about enough. I don't feel like it's because well, nobody wants to give up their secret spots. So it's like, yeah. so I, I get that side of it. But I mean, when you see the amount of public land out there and the abundance of wildlife, I mean, it is just it's it's amazing. So, yeah. So what, what he's saying is, guys, is after this episode is over, uh, Kevin's going to drop a pin. <laughs> On that spot exactly where all those pheasants were, and then <laughs> I could probably drop a pen on these places I go, and we would never see each other, even if we tried. <laughs> That's kind of how it works out there. So yeah, it, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Hear, 
it's comical to hear the locals out there talk about like, dude, you can't get too much of the landscape in the background of your pictures because then everyone will know exactly where you're at. And I'm like, you see this place? It is like, how would anybody have any idea what that little hill behind me would be? Like, you know, it's just, I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I mean, geez, if, if I took a picture of a deer in Pennsylvania, there wouldn't be one person in that whole state that have any idea where I am, but yeah. it's, uh, it's just a totally different way of thinking and living. And, um, it just kind of cracks me up how, how, how different it is, but you know, in a good way. Yeah, I understand, man. I'm, maybe some of those locals around there could pick some of that stuff out. I promise <laughs> you, I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, right. like, no he's exactly. in Montana. That's as close well, as I can get. Well, I think, like, I love seeing the landscapes, and I love getting great background shots, but, you know, it's kind of funny to hear a different perspective on, what are you yeah. doing? Like, why are you doing that? You're telling everybody where you are. <laughs> <laughs> if they want to go out and shoot a deer, more, more, more the merrier. Like, yeah. let's go. You know, yeah, but, no, I get. I, I've heard it on both sides of the spectrum. I've I've been around people that are have the more, I guess, generous to be the word leans toward, and then you, right, you right, come right. around like I guess like turkey hunters in Mississippi, <laughs> like it's a, a oh, it's a don't ask, don't tell situation. One hundred percent. Don't ask me no questions. I won't tell you any lies. That's oh, how it's that's it's funny. a pretty tight lift around that time of year. But you know, it's oh, it's a there's a balance to it, I guess. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. One, balance yeah ain't no doubt man so like uh like you ever going back to like like baseball questions here like 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 how often i mean because i'm trying to like piece together because like i know when we're traveling like especially during like elk season we'll be gone away for like a long period of time right like I know you're like, do you get breaks in between where you get to go back home or are you just like gone for like a, like a long time? Basically gone for eight months. Um, that's the hard part about, about what we do. Um, a lot of people don't realize it, you know, they think you go home and you get to spend time with your family and everybody. But I mean, really the off season is three to four months. Um, and you know, we're, we're traveling, Every, every three to four days, we're hopping on a plane. I mean, obviously, in the minors, you're in the bus league. So you're hopping on a bus, driving through the night, trying to get to that game the next day. Um, and it can, it can get exhausting. But, you know, the, the ways that I was able to get home is um, I'm from Pennsylvania, obviously, but I play in L.A. Now. Um, we played Cleveland a couple weeks ago. And we ironically had an off day before the series. So I was able to actually get to Cleveland, rent a car, drive home for my son's first birthday. So that was like the, so that was like the one example of, um, of being able to get home, but it's only for, you know, 24 hours. And And it was right after the trade deadline. So for all I know, we could have this all planned, have my son's first birthday planned, you know, everything lined up and then I get traded to where yeah. I don't have an off day that day. And then it's like, you know, plans explode. So this game, I mean, it's so unpredictable. You you never know what could happen. I mean, I, I could walk into the office today and they tell me I'm released and you may not pick up a job anywhere. I mean, it's very unstable. It's, it's uh, like I said, very unpredictable. Um, but there's a lot of great things to it. I mean, I always, I always joke with my wife, we want to, 
write a book and call it so you want to play professional baseball question mark (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's awesome to, don't get me wrong but there are some there are some serious uh some st- serious adversity um tests that you hit so yeah dude look man there's the 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 older i get the more i realize there's there's going to be pros and cons to everything you know mm-hmm. not there there's not going to be any point that you get to in life where you just set it on cruise control and just everything oh, yeah. just stays perfect the grass is like, never greener yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've I've always wondered, you know, man, like, cause uh, especially like talking to you, like, like how, like, I can't imagine, you know, like you show up and like, oh, you got traded to wherever, and then you just got to pick up and move, right? You just no, I mean, to... it. So I'm a catcher. Um, the guy I was catching with all season, Jonathan Lucroy, he literally just got, um, it's called designated, but in layman's term, basically got released and then picked up by the Cubs a couple of days later, and now he's on a playoff contending team with, you know, and he was just sitting at home a few days ago. So it's just, it it's a crazy ride. I've seen so many guys go through so many, you know, ups and downs. Like uh, one of my good buddies, he was in AAA with uh, Cleveland, um, just took his release, and now he's looking to go play overseas. I mean, there's just so many different paths. You can go to Mexico. You can go to the Dominican. You can go to Korea. You can go to Japan. Um, there's just so many different routes you can go. And, I mean, the the main goal is to get to the big leagues and, you know, play on that big stage. So, um, guys will do whatever it takes. They'll put their bodies through whatever it takes. I mean, I'm sitting at, you know, eight-plus surgeries now. Um, it's just – it, it's just one of those things that we that we love and we'll do anything to uh to do it so yeah i understand man like that it, i think uh what you're talking about man like the you could write about some of that stuff you just mentioned if you ever write that book you could put some of that stuff in there because it's oh, just that stuff that nobody understands man that everyone just sees the the i guess the allure of being in the big leagues they don't you don't know about all the all the other stuff that goes into it one hundred percent, and I mean, I tell parents and I tell kids, you know, I'm I'm literally playing with the best player probably to ever live, Mike Trout, right now. Right. And I mean, he wasn't created, you know, in a lab. He he just had it. He naturally had it. We all just have that God-given ability. Yeah, it's developed and it's and it's developed through hope, uh, hard work and you know, the right instructors and whatnot. But, you know, I see so many kids just getting pounded these days with, you know, forcing them to do things. Parents thinking they can, you know, create their kid in the cage and get the scholarship and whatnot. And it's like you almost start taking the fun out of things for them and, you know, not focusing on the experience and not focusing on the friendships that he's going to build. And there's just so many lessons that can be learned through just, the game and through meeting new people and, you know, um, just letting things happen as they're supposed to, you know what I mean? Um, I joke a lot. I was on a hunting show this past fall. That was my childhood dream. Like, like I said earlier, like waking up, watching these hunting shows, I'm like, man, if I could only be on a hunting show one day, that would be so cool. (laughs) And like watching that, I had more, more you know 
just excitement, and it was so thrilling to me to just see my face on a hunting show. But then you look at like a young kid who's you know says, "I want to be a major league baseball player," and it's like, yeah, it's it's just totally opposite of how my mind works. You know, I mean, hunting was my thing, but I just let baseball happen. I I did it. I played it. I was blessed with the ability to do what I do, and I I worked my butt off for it. And um, I got here. I'm playing. I'm sticking. And it's just like I never allowed myself to become obsessed with it to where it controlled my life. Right. Um, there were a lot of guys that I played with and a lot of people that I saw that it just overtook their life. It was all they thought about. They couldn't sleep at night. Um, and I get that side of it. But as soon as that happens, that's whenever it's a pressure and, you know, all of that heat comes down on you. And it's like, if I don't become a big league baseball player, my life's over. Right. You know, that's not the case at all. I see a bunch of guys, they're, they're doing great. They're running their own businesses. They're, you know, doing this or that, having families. Um, and I bet if you've asked every one of them, what's one thing you would change, they would say, I wish I wouldn't, uh, you know, put all my eggs in one basket and just, you know, it was do or die because, mm-hmm. you know, you should never think like that. And it's just like, yeah. It, it gets frustrating to see kids have to go through that at such a young age now. I mean, my sister just said um, the traveling team's roles now are if you go on a family vacation, you're banned from the league for like two years. Oh, wow. It's, just, it's like, come on, guys. Like, you're robbing these kids of, of family vacations now. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So. It's going to be tough. I mean, obviously, um, I don't expect my son to play baseball, but I mean, if he does, great. But I'm going to really struggle with that stuff if uh, if that's what's going to go on. I hope it starts trending towards how it used to be, but I mean, I'm only seeing it uh, go the wrong way. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, if anything, man, I mean, it seems like you're skewing it definitely towards the right way, man. I mean, like I said, you got a wife, you got a son, you didn't let it be obsessed i mean a lot of that stuff you know i mean you're on a much larger scale than 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 i am but like uh, some of that stuff like translates like i you know i grew up wanting to do this you know like i grew up watching primo's videos and so right and and that's you know i i know guys that uh, that friends and stuff that got obsessed with wanting to do this kind of stuff but it you know it's not like oh you're saying it's not like that's your identity you know you still i mean there's there's here's your job and then there's your your family and your life and your hobbies like for you it's hunting even though you don't get to do it as much as you would like to but there's a balance there i just live vicariously through all of you guys (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean honestly um one of the biggest pieces of advice i got when i first got drafted um was to find a hobby and to find something to get your mind off of baseball and i I took that to heart big time. I mean, I, I obviously still had an obsession with hunting, but that's kind of where that the whole off-season outdoors thing came from. Yeah. Um, I started that with my buddy who passed on the uh, UTV accident a few years ago, and um, we weren't too sure what we wanted to do with it, but that was like my escape from baseball. Yeah. I, always thought, I always thought I didn't want to look at hunting stuff, fishing stuff, outdoor stuff during the baseball season because it would distract me, you know. Whenever I had a rough game or wasn't performing like I wanted to, I would resort to that, and it would make me not want to play baseball. So, um, and then I talked to one of our uh, team uh, psychologists one day, just BS, and 
And he goes, no, like, you want to look at that stuff all day long, anytime you get, because that's going to be your relief. That's going to be, you know, something that you can turn to as comfort. And I took that in full stride. So that's where kind of off-season outdoors came from. And I was able to use that Instagram platform to, you know, connect with people. And obviously, I mean, it's led yeah. me here to talking hunting with you, which is awesome. I mean, I'm still mid-season, and I'm and I'm here in Houston about to play the Astros, bullshitting about hunting, fishing, and in the outdoors, which is something <laughs> that I mean, I I love to do. Um, yeah. And it's just it's been a really cool ride. Um, and hopefully, you know, when baseball's over, I can somehow get into the industry. And I mean, the industry is just amazing. I went to uh, ATA a few years ago, and it's just. It, like I tell everybody, it's like one big family. It, it's awesome yeah. to meet the people and how genuine everybody is. I mean, that podcast you did with uh, T-Bone was was awesome. I mean, you can just everybody you talk to, you just hear like the genuine love and and passion they have for you know conservation and the outdoors and just promoting the sport. Um, and that's just something that you don't see a lot uh, see with a lot of other sports, which is which is really cool. I mean. Even hearing about how they combat anti hunters and everything, I mean, I thought it was it was it was pretty cool to hear. Uh, I think it was Jim said he's like, but you never see hunters, you know, bashing anti hunter. And I'm like, wow, I never thought of that before. You right? don't. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, I'm I'm relating to you guys on the anti hunter thing, where you know those guys now the platform to reach out to anybody and speak their mind without you know suffering maybe a punch to the chin and i mean we get it all day long if if you have one bad game i mean we have trolls messaging us you know direct messaging us letting letting us know how bad we are you know how much we're hurting the team and it's just it's unbelievable to hear some of the things that that people have the nerve to say these days behind their keyboard yeah. and i mean it's just it's exhausting, and I see why a lot of people can, or why a lot of you know people higher up in the industry or professional athletes get rid of Instagram and stuff because they just get blasted for, for yeah. no reason. And it, yeah. and I mean, I I try to see see both sides of the story, and I know you guys talk about you know they're just not as informed or they might not understand as much, but um, you know it's just it's it's one of those adversity things that I talk to you about, and it's like. It's just one of those things that you have to you have to battle. Yeah, for sure. Man. I mean, it's definitely like I think a lot of it is is like not being informed. But then at the same time, like some of those people, I think like I think the probably the worst the person I talk to that among the that gets the most hate from anti hunter is probably Hannah Barron. Uh, oh I've, right, yeah. I've I've had her on uh, twice. I think maybe more than that. I know I've had her on twice. How fast she just built up her account. I mean, that was oh, awesome. Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember seeing her when she was maybe around twenty or thirty thousand, and uh, her southern twang voice and everything just always <laughs> cracked me up. And, and yeah. in the back of my mind, I'm like, she is gonna explode. Oh yeah, man, it's it, it's crazy what she's come to. But yeah. and um, she's dude, she's great. She's yeah, about as, as genuine awesome. as they can be. And, and, but all of like just some of the stuff that gets said to her is like mind blowing, you know. I mean, like for the, the, the anti hunter thing, so you know, I mean, that's something that, that people you have are to ruthless, deal with. man. I mean, people I've heard, 
I've heard people, you know, tell certain, like we, we, um, we tragically had one of our pitchers die this year, Tyler Skaggs, completely unexpected. I mean, it was a horrible experience, but I mean, we've had guys get messages saying like the wrong angel died, horrible job. Like, Oh dear Lord, dude, I'm telling you, man, like people are ruthless out there when it comes to these things. And I mean, it's, it's, um, one of our teammates actually, so I think I, I heard Hannah say she rarely responds to them, which most of us don't, yeah. but the, the, the person who sent that comment, they actually responded and said, I just want to know, did that comment make you feel better? And the guy said, you know what? At the time it did make me feel really good, which you're like, really, man, how yeah. does something, how does saying something like that make you feel better? That's but about as said, malicious as God. Oh, malicious, right? But then he goes, but then I talked to some of my friends and I felt horrible about it. And I'm like, okay. So that tells you it, it's it's like it, like they're watching the game. Something doesn't go right. You know, you strike out or you give up a home run and they like immediately hop on social media instead of, you know, taking a few breaths and being like, okay. Right. Should I be saying something like this? And that's basically what social media has given these guys. You know, they're sitting on their couch watching the games. Everybody's supposed to hit a home run. Every pitcher's supposed to strike a guy out. And if neither one of those things, you know, happen, it's like, okay, I'm going on social media finding this guy and I'm going to bash him right now. I mean, it's just, uh, I guess it's just uh, the way things are these days, if that's yeah. how people think. But, you know, um, it's uh, it, it's eye-opening to see some of the things and just hearing what people say to to some of the big names in the hunting industry is is staggering. So, mm-hmm. you barking that back there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, no doubt. It uh, it, it it does get like I said, I I get it on a small scale, but right. it, like not even comparable compared to what 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 Hannah gets. But um, it's it's uh, I tell I, this is one thing I like to lean towards too is I, I try to not even because for a while there. When it first, you know, I, I talked to, I think it was a lot of it had to do with, I had a lot of guests on that dealt with that a lot. And so I found myself talking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, there's a lot more positive things going on than rather than focus on these, you know, these guys that are just throwing all this hate out there. I don't know what makes them want to do that, but you know, 100%. there's a, there's a lot better things that I can talk about, you know? So I, I, like I said, I do have to deal with it from time to time. And like I said, I'm sure you have to deal with that kind of stuff too on the, the, the stuff that you were talking about, but just yeah. don't let it bother me, you know? And I think Jim, Jim gave the best piece of advice is to just combat it with, you know, share the experience. Maybe don't, don't take the big trophy head pick, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that picture's great and everything, but maybe lead up to it, you know, show the experience, show what you're doing, show the, the friendship, show, uh, the whole experience instead of just the actual, which right. is a big part of it, right? I mean, we all want to harvest an animal and provide for our families, and you know, be be proud of our accomplishments, but just help people understand, you know, it's not all about that. And um, and I, and I think the four of us that do that, it's going to help bring a little more awareness and understanding of what we do and why we love it so much. For sure, for sure, I know. There's no doubt about it, man. I, I think. Um... I think if more people would do that, like as T Bone and I talked about it too, if you if you right. kind of would focus more on, 
showing all parts of it. And honestly, you, you do a good job on it on, on your page. I, th- right. I, I, I honestly think so. But I think that that's a part of, of skewing it more towards a positive light and you know, where you don't see as much of just the, the hateful comments, you know? 100%. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's, 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 uh, we have a lot better story to tell than, than those people give us credit for. What, what, for sure. Primo's Takeout has changed the way that we hunt, from minerals to feed to the seed that we plant our food plots with. It has been incredible. Head on over to primos.com now to check it out and receive free shipping on orders at $75 and more. So I know you're, you're the one always asking the questions, but I got to ask you how you got started, man. <laughs> What's your right. background? How'd you become to where you are? I mean, I'm, I was listening to a bunch of your podcasts and I never heard that once. So <laughs> yeah, man, I'm the, I'm the interviewer, man. I'm the interviewer. Uh, <laughs> no, man, um, now I feel like stepbrothers when they're like, I want to interview you. <laughs> Well, it all started when I had a peacock bass aquarium. So <laughs> this could be a useful exercise. <laughs> no, uh, man, mine is um, like I, said, I grew up here in Central Mississippi, and uh, I tell people I, I grew up watching the Andy Griffith Show and Primo's Truth videos. You know, so awesome. like, my my heroes growing up were Will Primo's, Jimmy Primo's, Brad Ferris, Troy Ruiz. You know, those were. Those are my guys, man. I just like like to watch them hunt, you know? And uh, since they were local, you know, I I grew up probably 40 minutes from the Primo's headquarters. But with that being said, I never stepped foot in there until I showed up to interview for a job. Just Mm. never, just (laughs) never happened. But, uh, no, you know, I kind of did, you know, growing up and when I got like high school, I had a bunch of buddies that, we all liked filming each other's hunts on handy cams and stuff like that. And yeah. it's I would funny how to, similar we all are. Oh yeah. And we would always talk about, you know, being on a, you know, making the, you know, doing the outdoor channel thing or something. We had these idea, ideas of grandeur. And, um, I had a, there was a person, uh, named Keith Polk. He's actually, he's been on the Primo show twice for, uh, with it's, it's a kind of story of it all coming full circle, but, uh keith was and is a like a like a really good hunter right and he was uh he he got me started turkey hunting called me called in my first turkey and uh i was 12 years old and me and him were just incredibly tight ever since and he would always help me and teach me hunting stuff and and all that and uh i was in junior college and uh he called me and i was still like you know, had just, I was, I was in college cause you know, I'm, you know, I wanted to have some kind of a career. I wasn't really sure what that was yet, but I still had these, these hopes and dreams of the outdoor industry. And, uh, he said, have you ever heard of Midwest whitetail? And quite honestly, I was like, no, I don't, I don't know what that is. And, uh, he said, well, they have an internship program you should look into. And, uh, I was like, all right, I'll do it. And they were a, uh, a web-based show. Uh, and they were region specific uh, midwest show uh, northeast show a uh, west show and they have pro staffers send in footage every week that that sort of thing and everything about how it worked out for me to come on with primos is all just i can't credit to anything but just the lord's time and that's all it was because like i i applied for that job 
I was the only person that applied for the internship position that had zero video experience because I had none. <laughs> Unless, except, I mean, I put on there, I'd run a handy cam before, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but I did not know it, but that was the first year they were starting a Southeast regional show. And I was the only kid from the Southeast to apply. Gotcha. And uh, it, it's funny now because I actually just found out last year there's a guy named Jake Meyer that works at Mossy Oak and uh, he does a lot of their marketing. I found out too after I'd been hired and I was up there that they actually had they had they had picked someone to come work up there before me, but he pulled out. He couldn't take the job. And so I meet this Jake Meyer guy from Mossy Oak. We hit it off, become friends. We get to talking, and I tell him I did an internship at Midwest Whitetail. He was like. You know, I almost did that internship. I, I got the spot, but then I told him I couldn't do it. He actually was the guy that they had picked before me. Wow. It, was like, it was like one of those small world things. But anyhow, uh, I moved up there to Iowa, lived up there for six months, um, and that's where I got my first training on running the camera and editing footage and all that. Left there, went back to Mississippi State for a few years, and um, Aaron Warburton, who worked for Midwest Whitetail at the time, put me in contact with Brad Ferris at Primo's gotcha. and uh, we had shot emails back and forth, but I was still in school and they didn't really need anyone for work. And so it was just kind of a, you know, like I was like, maybe one day they'll need somebody and it'll be after I graduate college. I didn't know. Well, uh, I ran into Brad at a, at a trade show one day in Mississippi. I, I happened to be walking by. I saw him. I said, you know what? I should go introduce myself and say, hey, I'm the kid that's been emailing you for the last year saying I want a video for Primo's, you know? <laughs> right. And, like, again, just the Lord's time. And little did I know it, but they had, when I went and said, because I remember when I walked up to him and said, hey, Brad, I'm Lake Pickle. And he, I, he recognized my name because I've got such a different name. But he acted like a lot more interested in me than I expected him to. I was just expecting to be like, Hey, you know, I'm late, you know, maybe I can video one day, but he, I didn't know it, but they like needed some guys like, like right. quick. So that, that was on a, yeah, I was perfect time. That was on a Sunday, Wednesday. I just moved back up to Starkville because we had to start classes that Monday for like my, the, the, my junior year of college. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in my, I'm sitting in our little house that me and my roommate had rented out. We were watching Primo's on TV, if I remember correctly, and the phone rings, and Daniel, my buddy, my roommate, he goes, who's calling you? I said, Brad Ferris. He said, bull, Brad Ferris ain't calling you. I held up my phone. He said, you better answer that. So I answered the phone. He's like, hey, like, this is Brad, and we small talk for a minute. He was like, look, here's the deal. I know we just, you know, met you on Sunday, but we need somebody to video. Can you be in New Mexico in two weeks? I was like... Your eyes lit yes. Yeah, yes, I can do that. <laughs> Man, that's that's so cool to hear. I'm so fascinated with. I mean, it just it's all it's about awesome. the opportunities and those windows of opportunities and just you know seizing them. Um, yeah, that's so cool to hear, man. And then yeah. so so from there it just snowballed. Then yeah, that's been uh, I like I, when we leave on September. This will be my sixth elk season with Primos. So times times flown, you know. Because it's something you truly love and are passionate about. It's oh, just... man, look, I couldn't, like, I, I, it's it's work some days, I tell everybody, but I wouldn't trade this for anything. Oh, Would not. No way, man. And and honestly, it, I think I'm so 
interested in just hearing everybody's path because obviously sports took over my life and it's just I've been on that roller coaster my whole life since I was you know six or seven years old but um I mean just hearing what what you've gone through is something that I'd like envisioned my other life to to experience you know um and it's it's so cool like even like Travis uh T-Bone talking about how how they all got started and how they only expected you know it to last a couple of years, and now he said, "What they're on year nine, ten, or 11. I forget. Yeah. Like the bone collector, and yeah, it's just it's just really cool to hear how things go about. You always see guys like, "How do I, how do I, you know, get a job in the outdoor industry?" And no one ever really knows until you yeah. guys and see how they started it, and and it's just always a different path, a different route, and it's always interesting to hear. So that's yeah. why. Um, yeah, man. I, I tell, there's no like cut and clear pathway to get there. I don't. Not think. at all, man. It's you got like, per- to be personable. You you just got to be open to whatever. You can't be, you know, a hermit crab like I call them, sitting in sitting yeah. in your basement and hoping things happen. If you if you love it that much and you truly have a passion for what you want to do, you know, you got to go out and grab the bull by the horns. So yeah, and a lot of it, man. Like I said, obviously, I, obviously, I put some work into it, you know, and but it's so much about the one just the lord's timing and then the 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 people that supported me i you know had a good family and like keith paul yeah i tell i hear i love this analogy because i feel like it applies a lot to me you know like and uh you ever see it if you see a turtle sitting on top of a fence post he didn't get up there without some help you know what i mean (laughs) 100 man yeah Yeah. like a lot of people don't see the the early years i mean even in my situation n- nobody knows i was making 25 dollars a day you know playing 160 games a year yeah going to Arizona, you know living five five or six guys in a in an unfurnished two-bedroom place for four or five years before i got to the big leagues i mean people look at you and just say oh yeah you got drafted and went right to the big leagues like oh man like it, it was a it was a true grind and it was a it was a it was a wild experience, but I mean, same as you, man. I mean, you went through it. Everybody goes through it in the industries that they pick, and it's always uh, there's always more to the story. Oh yeah, man. Story, so yeah, man. Look, that internship, like I, my 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 mother tells this story all the time. Like that that internship, there was three of us living in like a like a two bedroom house. Right. And right. we would we would kill a deer, right? On the we were hunting public land. We would kill a deer. And we would live off that deer for a month, two months. That was because we were we were poor interns, man. You know, oh, we man. Just... if I told you how many uh, Applebee's half off boneless wings I've eaten, you'd be sick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or man. like four for fours or dollar menu stuff. I mean, you are just you are scrapping to just you know just make it. And I oh, mean, yeah. they, I mean, I had. I have amazing parents and they were able to support me in the off season. And, you know, um, that, that, that was a huge part of it. I mean, it seems like you had a, an amazing support staff too. So sure. um, that's obviously something that I've learned and I'll be there for my son and my future kids. And it's just, uh, it, it's something I'll always be grateful for. And I'm yeah. sure you are as well. So absolutely, man, I, I couldn't, it, I'm not going to stand up here and say I did this without any help. Cause I absolutely did not, you know, and that's, that's part of what makes me as thankful for it as I am. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, so, so many, uh, so many amazing people that help, and you meet uh, throughout the uh, 
throughout the experience and down the road. So, sure, for sure. So, man, look before we hop off here, um, okay. make sure to put out there like how how people can find you on on Instagram and all that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just on off season outdoors. Um, my name Kevin Smith. It's K E V A N. Uh, I'm sure you can type that in. I think I have it linked to it, but. You know, I, I don't really know what it is. It's just something um, my buddy that passed a few years ago, he, he pitched in the big leagues, and him and I just had a true, you know, passion for the outdoors. And he 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 always thought um, off-season outdoors would be a cool name to start something up. You know, obviously we were filming our hunts and doing that whole gig, but um, it, it's kind of tough when you have a full baseball schedule. So, yeah. Um, just kind of treating it as a as a platform to talk about things, meet wonderful people like yourself, um, share my experiences and what I do, and you know just link professional athletes to to hunting and fishing in the outdoors and show people that you know we do the same thing. I mean, like I talked about Mike Trout, you know the best baseball player to live. The dude, you know, has a place in Iowa. He's going to shoot Giants this year. He has a place in Jersey where he's from. You know he. He, he loves hunting. He, he just got into it recently, but it's just awesome to see, you know, how many guys in sport are into hunting. And um, I think a lot of people don't realize that, which is, which is pretty cool. And it's going to help for our youth. Um, it's, that's a, obviously a whole nother topic on itself, but you know, that's a big goal of mine is to show these young kids, you know, that a lot of us, do this in the off season we love it it's a great experience to get out there and get exercise which is what you don't see very much these days i mean i think i think Rennell is doing a great job of you know telling the story and you know helping people understand and helping kids understand what hunting's about and um i just i just hope to see more kids in the woods you know the more i keep hunting that's just one of those things that i feel like i saw when i was a kid um, but it, it's, it's, it's a rare thing to uh, see now when I'm walking through public lands or I, I see a big truck full of hunters go by and I don't see any young kids in there. And it's, it's yeah. kind of alarming, you know. So the more we can appeal uh, to that younger generation and, you know, help them understand what it's all about and that it's not just about killing, I think we're going to benefit in the long run. And that's, that's one of my biggest goals. So, um, yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. I know I went on a tangent there, but it's just off-season outdoors. Something cool to something cool to look up and follow and see what I do. And you know, for sure, um, don't be scared to reach out if if anybody wants to talk about anything. I'm open to discussing things if you're looking for advice or anything like that. So um, I'm I'm here for anyone that needs it. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. You're a good dude. This is a, this is a fun conversation, man. I've enjoyed this. I think I probably enjoyed it more than you, man. I. I love any time I can get away and talk about the outdoors. And um, that's just something I love about the off season. It's, it's liberating for me. It's just something that I can use as a, as a getaway. I mean, we show up at the field at one in the afternoon and we don't get out till 11 or 12. So baseball is just, you know, mentally exhausting. So it's nice to have a, have an outlet and a release to, you know, tell stories and just BS. I mean, that's what it's all about. So, yeah. Well, don't worry, man. I can help you out with that part. I will. I will blow your phone up during elk season. Hey, I'll be. Uh, I'll be eagerly waiting to see the uh, the shenanigans as get into here come September. So well, it'll be plenty, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I bet it. But I certainly appreciate you having me on, man. It was, uh, Absolutely, it, man. 
Yeah. Time chatting and, and just seeing how much, you know, how different our career paths are, but how similar they are, which is, yeah. which is pretty cool to see. Absolutely. Well, for sure, man. And if we sat here, I'm sure we could find like plenty of other things to talk about, but all that means is I'll have to have you back on sometime. That's right. I'll be, uh, I'll be uh, full game for it. So you just let That's me know. Gotcha. Well, man, look, I appreciate it, guys. I hope y'all appreciate appreciated it and enjoyed it as much as, as I did. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to send them in to the Facebook or the Instagram page. And, yeah, we're done. Uh, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Lake. I appreciate it. Yeah, man.